bus. We take Manhattan. It's a matter of time, I suppose. Welcome to Watchmen Minute, where we're discussing the 2009 Zack Snyder film Watchmen, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Almost Famous Minute. I'm Travis Bow from the Real Comic Heroes podcast. I'm David Hayter, and I was a screenwriter on the film Watchmen, uh, which we will be discussing. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, so I probably wrote the, the minutes we're, we're going to uh, discuss. Nice. Or at least adapted them from uh, yeah. Alan Moore's work. <laughs> yeah. Very glad to have you back on, and I was actually unable to be with uh, you two fine gentlemen the first time when it was more of a one-off episode interview, but uh, very good Well, I'm hear. glad you're here. Yeah. So this is Minute 178, and it starts with Dan asking Lori how it's going and ends with them wondering if everything will be okay. I like that uh, it, it follows Sally as she heads out of the room and, and finishes her, uh, I'm assuming, is a martini, like in one one gulp. Um, I think it's it's her way of calming her nerves from what just happened, the, the conversation she just had with Lori. So I don't know if it's... Uh, if this is kind of her, just something she needs to do to get out of the room so she can maybe go in the other room and, and have a good cry. Yeah, well, the book, and the book always talked about her uh, being an alcoholic, or at least uh, Warshak was uh, referring to her as an alcoholic, I believe, earlier in the in the book. So we always wanted to make sure she was drinking or offering up margaritas oh, yeah. or uh, or something to, uh, to, uh, to Lori. So yes, I think that's definitely how she relaxes. <laughs> I had a question here. Do we think that did Sally come to live with them or is she visiting? Um, I think she's visiting mm. uh, because she, again, Rorschach refers to her living in a retirement home yeah. uh, back in California. So I think, um, you know, the implication is that she's come out to visit because uh, Lori's with Dan now and they've got sort of an established relationship. That was the plan. I, 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 in the book, I believe she uh, goes out to see her mom in California. I don't yeah. think she's there. Or is she? I don't even remember. I, you know, I should uh, be on top of it. But. Yeah. In the book, yeah, she's still at the, at the rest home and they visit her around Christmas time. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so I think probably just because, uh, you know, they had the set and it seemed a little more, makes more sense to have oh, them sure. be in New York for the final um, the final sequence. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I, that question came up for me. I just, for some reason, got the vibe that maybe uh, maybe she came to live with them, just given the, the you know, kind of horrors that happened. The trauma. Yeah, of the that thing. sort of yeah. thing. Like maybe yeah, and the rekindling of the relationship with, uh, or the, you know, yeah. with Laurie and they're, they're closer now. Uh, plus she looks pretty comfortable. Like she's mm. really made herself at home. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah in, in my notes, I just called her, I called her blurry Sally. <laughs> oh, there what? the background. Of, oh, of, oh, right. With Dan in the foreground. <laughs> I th I, what I like about this is that they don't do, I guess the disguise that the book has them yeah, in. Right. Um, you know, I think you know, the book has them in, uh, they're both blonde. He's got this big mustache, um, which I think in a, in a book, I think a disguise like that works because when you're dealing with animation or cartoons or, or, 
drawing, you know, people in comics, you have like limited detail when drawing a person. And so when you change one of those major details like hair color or uh, hair length, you know, it's easy. I think it's easier to believe them as a different person. But like in a movie or in real life, if you change a person's hair, we can still see that it's the same person. So I don't think yeah, it exactly. would work, you know, in a movie. So I'm I'm really glad that they, it, I, it's a, it's a shame that we don't get to find out that they're living as Sam and Sandra Hollis, but yeah, yeah. That was a nice, that was a nice detail, yeah. but, but I'm not sure that it's necessary. I, I don't know. Right. I don't think they really, well, I guess they expose themselves and everybody, I guess the, the concept is that the world knows who they are in in the book and you know everybody sort of revealed their identities to the world uh except rorschach and so i guess the idea is because they went back out in costume that they'd be wanted by the police but um you know maybe the police have better things to do than nab these people they've got they've got bigger problems because of this dr manhattan fallout Mm. um but i just noticed that so the very beginning of that first minute starts with uh, The Outer Limits. Mm. So that episode is, I think it's, I believe it's titled The Wages of Fear. And that's where Alan Moore got the idea for the squid ending uh, in the book. Architects of Fear. Architects of Fear, thank you. I'm, I'm so lame. <laughs> I've forgotten I... so many things. My nerd cred is out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I've definitely talked about that in our uh, previous episode. Oh, yeah. I guess you're pretty familiar with the material. Oh, I mean, certainly it's... Going through it minute by minute to uh, 178. Um, I was curious, uh, you know, they talk about up here and down there for the two of them. Mm. And he explains pretty well what he has been doing downstairs, fixing up Archie, essentially. But... Mm-hmm. You know what? So what? Is, I mean, is it a is, is it this live-in situation for her? We talked about Sally, but and and she's what been making it more more of a more of a home for her, maybe. Oh, you mean that when he been, says, "Yeah, how are things going up here?" Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just different situation that we're not really clued into. As to I think what, he's. Oh, you know, yeah. My my feeling about that line was was always like. Uh, uh, how you getting along with your mother? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, my, okay. There, there you go. Yeah. You know you. that they that they've never yeah. really gotten along, and so you know he's like, "Hey, how's it going, ladies?" <laughs> you know, because it could be horrible. Because he he probably even knows that, you know, she may have told him like, "Okay, mom's coming over. I'm going to talk to her about the comedian." And right, so, right, right. That's right. Yeah. Right. And so maybe that's either. Maybe she said, maybe you go make yourself scarce and go play in the basement for for a little while right. and leave. Give me some alone time with mom, and then, um, or yeah, maybe he decided like I'll give them some space. But yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. They, uh, he knows there's this big uh, emotional thing going on and <laughs> wants to make sure that his house is going to be torn apart by two fighting <laughs> female superheroes. Yeah. I really do miss though that that it's not. John, it's not Doctor Manhattan who delivers the line. Nothing ever ends. Oh, you yeah. know, it's it's so it's so powerful in the uh, in the book when he, he says, 
Adrian says, you know, you understand what I've done, don't you, John? Right. He says, without condoning or condemning it, yes, I understand. And he goes, did I do the right thing in the end? And John says, the end. Nothing ever ends, Adrian. Nothing ever ends. And then Adrian is kind of left with, oh, yeah, I was the smartest man in the world, and I solved this supposed Gordian knot, and yet it's just a, it's just to Dr. Manhattan anyway, it's just like a drop of sand in, in the ocean. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, there's this endless cycle of conflict that's going to go on whether Adrian's plan worked or not. And it, it just makes him feel so small and insignificant. And then John takes off for another world. And it just, uh, you know, I guess it just didn't work in the, in the context of the movie. Uh, uh, well, I had actually had my favorite ending mm-hmm that I that I had written was that Dan after Warshak is killed Dan and Dan understands the scope of the plan and realizes that you know they can't expose it they're totally trapped but he realizes but he's thinking about Warshak and he realizes he can't live with it and he goes upstairs and he tells Adrian you're right we can't expose you we can't expose your plan without endangering the world but the plan doesn't need you to continue mm-hmm. And Dan essentially they had this fight and Dan uh, knows he can't beat Adrian because Adrian's so fast and so tough, but he can't live with it. And he's just determined to murder Adrian. And what he does is at the end of the, um, uh, you know, when they arrive in Antarctica, uh, Archie is frozen on the, on the tundra there and he's left the engines running to reheat them. And so at the very last minute, as Adrian is about to kill him in his, in his bedroom, these lights come on and you see Archie come crashing through the window and it just crashes into both of them and ends up crushing Adrian to death. And I, and I'm really sort of bummed they didn't use that ending because I, I kind of liked it and it was sort of like revenge for, Mm -hmm. for Rorschach. And so part of the reason this scene exists is because a number of the drafts had that, like, you know, Mm -hmm. Adrian was gone. There was nobody for, for, uh, Dr. Manhattan to talk to. So, yeah. Um, so that's why they're, they're, they're saying this instead. I mean, you know, it gets the point across anyways, but it, um, yeah, uh, but it was a little more elegant in the book. Yeah. Why that was a definite Holy shit moment. When I came up upon that moment in the script, when I was kind of reading through it, that was, um, a really, really big fan of that ending. Um, cause that would have been pretty incredible yeah. to see. Yeah, I th- I just thought it was so cool, and and I just loved, you know, because Dan is such an observer through the whole thing. Like he's 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 really the eyes of humanity. He's yeah. the most human of them all. And I wanted a lesson for him. I wanted a journey for him mm. instead of just like all this stuff happened around him. I wanted him to get to a point where he understands that he understands Rorschach's point yeah. that even in the face of Armageddon, evil must be punished, mm. and um. And that's sort of missing a little bit. Yeah, and he, yeah, I guess he doesn't really even get that satisfaction in what they film because he rushes Adrian and, and pounds on him for a little bit, but Adrian isn't isn't uh, giving anything. Doesn't fight back. back. Yeah, yeah. So I guess yeah, he's... and it just and it just weakens him even even further. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, I'm going to throw a big tantrum and and yeah, uh, you know, I, I, what I wanted was I'm going to sacrifice my life because of what my friend. Mm-hmm believed in and what he taught me and you know it was just cool and noble and it really you know it kind of encapsulated what superhero you know what a superhero is which is 
you know, it's all well and good to be Superman and you're indestructible, but you know, for people that are just human and they go out and they risk their lives to, to mm -hmm. serve humanity, it was sort of the ultimate sort of sacrifice. Like I'm going to, I'm going to step into this fight, even though I know I can't win, mm. but it's the right thing to do. So yeah, I was, I was disappointed by the, uh, the final Dan, uh, Dan tantrum or, or Dantrum. <laughs> ah. I'll call nice. it, I suppose. We have an episode. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Throwing a, throwing a, throwing a dantrum. I think I, I do like that we get this kind of stuff between uh, Dan and Lori and uh, earlier with the, the goodbye scene between Lori and John. And I know that mm. the, uh, most of the dialogue there was adapted from the conversation that John had with Adrian. Um, right. And I'm, I'm glad that this stuff got adapted for this because I don't like the way the book has Dan and Lori in Karnak, you know, having their embrace while while John just kind of go, you know, basically observes them and then goes to talk to Adrian and then leaves. Um, I like that Lori and John had a some closure and then I like this little bit with uh, with Dan and Lori here because it's I think a good way to end solidify their end, relationship. Yeah, like end this little chapter with seeing them and there's a little bit of hope and yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely well. I mean, it it tells the audience that life goes on mm. and that the people you you most care about have found new life and new love and that's lovely and everything. Although I do love what I love in the book is. He, because Do Dr. Manhattan's problem is that he's, and I'm sure I said this before, it's my favorite thing about Dr. Manhattan, is he's becoming God, uh -huh. but he's still a dude. You know, mm -hmm. he's yeah. still got problems and he still cheats on his girlfriend because she's aging and, you know, all this stuff. Like he's, he's got all the, and he throws a tantrum and leaves the earth because his girlfriend <laughs> cheats on him. And yeah. like, it's just such an amazing character. And then in the book, he sees Dan and Lori together, realizes that that's the way things need to be, and then walks off across the water. Yeah. And whether he's become God at that point or just believes that he's become God at that point doesn't really matter. It's, it's, it's sort of him saying, it's okay if, she, if my girlfriend sleeps with another man because I am above that hmm. and I can walk on water and I'm going to go and create life. And it's like <laughs> such a... It's such an egotistical, uh, you know, like if, if you, you know, if you're friends with any rock stars or something, you know, this is how they think. It's, it's, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm above it all because I'm, I'm a, a, an otherworldly creature. And I don't know. I, I really like that. I like that part from the book. It's a little creepy that he's standing over them after they've just, you know, hooked up sure. or whatever. The whole book's creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the point is the whole world is creepy and that's what Alan Moore is trying to tell us. I like uh, Dan's line about um, as long as people think that John's still watching us, we'll be all right in the end. And I think the great thing right. that the movie does here in this ending is establish that people will behave now because that, that threat of Manhattan continues to loom. Um, right. And the only, it was I was flipping you know through the book into into this uh, this part of the of the last chapter, and you know in the book it's obviously different because the the big fear is this alien squid thing, 
And Mm -hmm. the only reference I could really find that people were living in fear of this alien was one bit of uh, graffiti on one panel. It says, instead of the usual who watches the Watchmen, it shows, Uh it just says, watch the skies. Right. Um, There's all kinds of, uh, you know, posters and, and references to, you know, USA and Russia are now friends and that sort of thing. So we know that the, the world is coming together, but there's no that that fear for it being such a big element of, you know, the the whole squid thing. It's really not played up as far as the that fear hanging over society. Um, I, I like that they that he points it out here. And then that I've become around to being a real big fan of the Dr. Manhattan threat at the end here yeah well you know i was always a little fuzzy on adrian's plan like uh, with in the in the squid version uh and i guess it's more of an octopus than a squid really everybody's said squid but it's really kind of an octopus isn't it anyway um it's neither here nor there um or maybe it is maybe i've just opened up a huge internet debate i don't know yeah (laughs) i'm gonna don't at me um (laughs) But, uh, you know, I was always a little fuzzy on, okay, so we're under attack. I mean, we're not really under attack by aliens. It's just a giant alien showed up and killed a bunch of people yeah. because it teleported into the middle of, of New York. So I guess the Adrian's plan in the book is to say, we need to band together to protect ourselves against further attack, and only I can help you do that because I'm so smart, right? Right. Um, but in in my version, I wanted, I wanted Adrian, I wanted, you know, it all came down to Dan killing Adrian, you know, (laughs) finally getting that. Yeah. Okay. Adrian was really smart and he set this whole thing up, but it doesn't really need him going Mm -hmm. forward. You know, what it needs is, you know, Adrian says you can't expose the, the, the plan. And the way I took that, it was, Dr. Manhattan is going to be watching you. And if you continue to threaten each other with nuclear weapons, he's going to wipe out your city. Yeah. Right. So, um, so again, it was just to, it was just to justify that Dan finally understood Adrian didn't need to be around for that. We just can't expose it. We just have to make sure that the last thing people heard was, you know, Dr. Manhattan is going to destroy your cities if you don't back off of your nuclear ambitions. Right. Um, so that's how that that's how that came together. It's you know it's so funny when you write a movie, especially over the course of nine years. Uh, you know, there's so many little pieces and things that 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 play off of other pieces that may not be there anymore. Mm. You know, it's difficult to um, it's difficult to reconcile all all of the many thousands of elements in the final version, and uh, so that's um, that's kind of what's there. But I always I also felt that. It was a pretty clear, the plan was, was clear, you know, that, that the world knew it had to straighten up because there was a sentient being watching them, right. judging them yeah, yeah. because he was now God. Right. And, uh, and in the, uh, with the, with the octopus version, it wasn't quite as, as clear to me, not that this Alan Moore, Alan Moore is a genius. And if he broke, if he woke up with my level of brain power, he would, you know, commit suicide immediately. But <laughs> Um, uh, but you know, you know, he famously had said that the ending, you know, he had to kind of rush the ending a little bit because Mm. he was under, under deadline pressure. Oh, Um, interesting. 
so uh, yeah well uh, you know so i was there i was a kid when the books came yeah. out and uh you know they were coming out once per month until the end and then it was like we had to wait months and months to figure out how it ended and we were all just dying <laughs> you know like what is gonna happen and uh and then when it came out it's, a, it's amazing and it remains amazing to this day um yeah but that but that was a little bit of clarification we did for the film that that i think works and I'm glad you're coming around to the Dr. Manhattan ending. I, I didn't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. <laughs> I want to say, I, I don't know that we've had any, I mean, we've had a, a few guests that, that just, you know, don't care for the movie and, and have their reasons. Sure. But I don't recall anyone saying that they, that they dislike the ending here of the movie. Well, and I, again, if I, if I said it on the last podcast, I apologize, but it came about because of um, uh, Darren Aronofsky mm. uh, was attached uh, to direct the movie for a weekend. Uh, <laughs> and that's true. And on that weekend, I flew to New York to talk to him about the film. And, and, uh, and then, and we had a great, it was going to be so great. And uh, you know, I liked Darren a lot and would have been a very cool, very cool movie. Um, but he was in the middle of directing the fountain. And by the time I got back on that Monday, Paramount said, now we, we want to make this right away. So, um, we're going to put Paul Greengrass on it. So, so Darren got replaced immediately. And, but he sent me a note saying, Hey, I've got this friend who's like a physics professor and he had an idea for the ending. And so he said, I think the, the final key to the whole thing is Dr. Manhattan. And I was like, that's so brilliant yeah. and it's just so so woven into the story and and um so it seemed to make sense yeah. so i understand why purists would would prefer it to be the the squid and and um and frankly i would have loved to have seen the squid it just mm. we just didn't have an extra 40 minutes to set up <laughs> right this whole other element i mean the movie was already three hours long so yeah. um so it solved a lot of problems for me and i think it fits i think it fits very very well into the into the narrative and doesn't betray Alan Moore's original intent, you know? Yeah. But I get why people get mad sure. at me. I'm, I'm fine with it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I did have a thought about, uh, you know, the line that we kind of entered this, this <laughs> segment of the, of this episode for, uh, long as people think John's still watching us, we'll be all right. And his pause there in the end, mm, yeah, to me indicated, you know, he doesn't, he, he's not quite thinking we're all right yet. And that's actually oh, goes yeah. to her the way she phrased the question. She's not asking, are we all right now? She's, are we going to be all right anyway? She, mm. That's the way she phrased it as well. Right. Yeah. But, right. I mean, that could be very immediate future, but it could also be sure. him thinking about. I think, I think to a certain extent, he also intuits the fact that I guess we'll be all right. <laughs> you know, humanity is still a, a mess of 7 billion lunatics with nuclear capability and, mm. and, I don't think, and, and, and the problem is so much bigger than him. You know, he, he's justifying it to himself. I mean, he, 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 he thinks it'll be okay, but, but he doesn't really know. And then of course, Lori comes in and says, yeah, well, nothing ever ends. And, and you just got to kind of deal with that. Um, but it just reminded me of something else that, uh, I mean, I, you know, I figured I was being so clever when I wrote this line, but I, I, I hope everybody grasp the fact that he says as long as everybody thinks that john is still up there watching us mm -hmm. which goes back to the line who watches you know he's, oh, yeah. he's up there you know now he's watching the watchman and uh so i i was like trying to be all clever clever mm. 
I hope you enjoyed it. Oh yeah. I what what the the part that's even I guess the the thing that makes that even better is that it's an implied like John isn't even I don't I don't think John is now even paying attention to Earth. Uh, and, he's not at all. He's yeah. Just gone. So it, it's that nice like people think it's a threat. They've been yeah been conned into They've been cowed into yeah. you know believing that they can't fire their nuclear weapons. Yeah. But, moment somebody decides, you know, if you had a Kim Jong-un and just decided to fire a nuclear weapon and then didn't get destroyed, the game is over, you know. Sure. So, because no, John's just gone. Um, my last little note here is is the the line that, you know, she's quoting John saying nothing ends, nothing ever ends. And it is something that I could see John saying throughout their time together. He could just in casual conversation, if she said, you know, something about something ending, he would probably, you know, quote this or, and I think he would be. He'd have some frustrating, larger, grandiose point about the universe. Or that, you like. Know, everything's just a drop of water yeah, in the ocean. It made me think of the, the first law of thermodynamics, also known as law of conservation of energy, which. Right. You know, energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Energy can only be transferred or changed from one form to another. And that kind of goes back to him talking about the thermodynamic miracles and turning oxygen into gold and all that. So mm-hmm. I think it, uh, the, obviously it comes from the book from when we hear John saying it to Adrian, but I like thinking of it as it's something that she would have heard him say numerous times. And I like the, I like her quoting John here. Yeah, I do too. And I, I like that she's kind of come to, I, I kind of get the feeling that if he was quoting that sort of thing, she'd have found it enormously frustrating and annoying yeah. in their previous relationship when they were in the depths of their relationship. But now she kind of gets it. She's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, things things just go the way they go. I also love her, her line, and it comes right out of the book, when um, Sally is saying, oh God, what you must think of me, mm-hmm. you know, because of Eddie and all this stuff. And and I love the line. She says, Mom, people's lives take them to strange places. And A, a you know, it means that she's she's become a lot more zen about life and choices, judging her mother, well, you know, John, all of it. And B, she also had to go to frickin' Mars <laughs> to to work out the stuff with her boyfriend. So it's like, you know, she's been through such a crazy, insane ride through this whole thing that she's kind of like, look, I, I get it. The guy tried to assault you and then you fell in love with him anyway. People are weird, mom. And, yeah. and, and I can't, I'm not going to judge you for your, for your choices. And, and uh, it's such a, I, I just, I just love that line from yeah. the book. It's such a beautiful little moment. And, I, and I'm uh, glad, uh, again, back to the line we've already talked about a couple times now, but I'm glad that Dan is the one that's bringing up John, and not in a bad way, too, yeah. because if it's the woman bringing up an ex-boyfriend first <laughs> yeah, to, to, yeah. to her boyfriend, that's bad news, usually. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, it's it's emasculating. Yeah, and I always say, right. I always say dating John, uh, you know, for Dan to date Lori, <laughs> it's like, it's like your, it's like your... You know, your girlfriend's ex-boyfriend was a rock star or something. Yeah. Except in this case, he was God. <laughs> and you know, that's always a, that's a tough act to follow. And um, and yeah, yeah, I I, I do uh, 
I, I had that in mind as well when when um, when I wrote the scene that that he yeah he brings up John and he he's fine with it you know yeah. he's he's cool and because the whole time he's been this insecure confidence was his problem mm -hmm. you know oh yeah and it led to his impotence and and his inability to face just how huge the world is and just how gigantic the problems are and just how massive john is mm -hmm. as an entity all of that was stuff he couldn't deal with and in the end he encapsulates it he brings it up in front of laurie and he puts it in its box and you can tell that he's he's cool with it because he's back in his own little saddle you know he's he's fixing up archie he's going to mm -hmm. go out and he's going to keep fighting crime he's going to do he's going to do right by hollis's memory and and uh mm -hmm. and all that jealousy is sort of gone and insecurity is gone you know and dealt with so um yeah it's a good uh, a good observation well done well, well done for you for writing it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and think and thinking about thinking about that stuff too i'm so impressed with myself and <laughs> and uh you know you know it's so funny i i just uh i was digging through my i've had the same to me leather computer bag since x-men like so mm. for 20 years yeah. right and i've been carting it around the world i mean it's been everywhere and I was, I pulled my computer out of it and I saw this scrap of paper at the bottom of it. This happened a week ago. And I pulled out this crumpled scrap of paper and it was a note. It was notes from when I was writing Watchmen. <laughs> and my dad, um, my actual dad, has this uh, Balinese blowgun uh, uh, <laughs> like that fires these darts oh. through it. And, and so I always go over there and I load up the darts and I fire them into the, into the couch cushions. And <laughs> it's really, it's very effective. And the note was when, when Adrian comes to attack the comedian in the first scene, he, you know, he gets thrown up against the wall and he's got this Indonesian blowgun <laughs> up on the wall and he just grabs it and fires it at, at, uh, at Adrian. But of course misses because Adrian's so fast. And, and, um, huh. and it was a couple of other, it's here somewhere, that scrap of paper. A couple of other notes on it, and it was really cool to just stumble across. Oh yeah, here it is. Um, so let's see. It says, so this is how a movie's getting written. It's got a little doodle of Archie. Uh, it says Watchmen. It's got oh, it's got somebody's phone number. <laughs> Eddie Blake has Dad's Indonesian blowgun. He throws a saucer. Adrian swats it, but Eddie gets to the blowgun, hits Adrian with dart. Oh, hits Adrian with dart. Oh, later Rorschach finds the gun. Then it stand a box which contains government nerve toxins <laughs> and gives him an idea to look in the closet. Oh. So I was I was layering in little pieces that never went into the movie. <laughs> but isn't that wild? I, I literally yeah. just I literally just found it like scrumpled up in my my old bag. Yeah, that's great. My old bag. <laughs> anyway, that's a little story for you. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was so fun working on this. I mean, it was horrible, and it was it just took forever to get this movie made, but but it was pretty cool. Well, that's probably a pretty good place to end uh, this first episode with you. All right. Well, that's pretty great. Um, anything you want to plug or, or let people know about? Um, well, I just wrote. Uh, I just wrote. Uh, I, I was a writer on the first season of a show called Warrior Nun um, about nuns who are warriors that shooting <laughs> uh, start shooting in Spain tomorrow and should come out on Netflix um, at the end of the year. Oh wow! 
Uh, I was the pirate Creamy Zeus on the season two premiere of Hot Streets, a Justin Roiland uh, uh, cartoon on Adult Swim. And I was just uh, King Shark. I just fought and kicked the ass of Gorilla Grodd on The Flash. Nice. Uh, as King Shark. So, um, yeah, things are gotta say things are going pretty damn well for me <laughs> very cool well thank you gentlemen yeah can you join us thank tomorrow sorry well i guess i should explain we always refer to the next episode as being tomorrow or right. next week so yeah i figured <laughs> but i just didn't hear you properly oh. now i'm blowing the whole game <laughs> damn it hater we had everybody convinced that these uh, were recorded day by day, but now that's uh, that's out of the bag. A, a, a podcasting temporal rift. <laughs> and always the way. I'm gonna throw a dantrum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we do. Uh, we do hope you will be able to join us tomorrow, um, or in a few minutes. Um, and uh, uh, that'll be a uh, minute one one seventy nine. And until then, who watches the Watchmen? We, we do. do. We do. Watchmen are over. We take Berlin.